Welcome to the Adult Cannabis Enthusiast Podcast, where we have mature conversations about cannabis and pop culture. If you want to check us out on social media, you can reach us on Twitter and on Instagram at acannabispod. Joel runs the Twitter and I run the Instagram. And uh, I mean, they've kind of almost taken over like our as our, like our personal accounts almost. <laughs> so they're not really podcast specific, I don't know anymore. But anyways, if you want to check us out on there, again, it is uh, acannabispod. My name is Cam, and I've been a cannabis user for the better part of two years now. And my name's Joel, and I've been a cannabis consumer longer than I care to remember. (laughs) This week on the podcast, for episode number 52, we are going to have a conversation about brand loyalty and how that intersects with cannabis. This is something that I think kind of arose in our previous episode where we had a conversation about cannabis pricing and something that we, that came up kind of briefly was brand loyalty. And we alluded to the fact that we wanted to kind of put that in our back pocket for a future episode. And that episode is now, uh, it just seemed like a good, a good tie in since that other episode was so recent and, and brand loyalty. I think there's a lot of mileage that we can cover uh, in terms of a discussion uh, from the perspective of a cannabis, cannabis consumer, right? Cam. Yeah. And I think it's another opportunity for us to kind of reflect on our previous purchasing habits and see how they compare to now. Um, My brand loyalty has changed a lot over the last couple of years of legalization. (laughs) So I think it'll be interesting to revisit uh, what I was smoking early and and what I am smoking now and and what had kind of happened in the in-between. Yeah. And I think that's a really great idea when we had first kind of kicked around doing this episode for this week that wasn't something that I'd really given a lot of thought to and um, in just in our conversation before we started recording that really kind of really resonated with me what you were talking about so it's, it's going to be kind of cool to take a little bit of a look back at some of those things that we were uh, enjoying before on a consistent basis and how that's kind of changed and what, what's kind of impacted that so uh, lots for us I think to talk about and uh, you know there'll be a lots of name dropping of brands that we like and different things but I think there's maybe some room to have a discussion not just about the kind of cannabis that we consume but also about what kind of retailers draw our attention, where we look for our medical options, and maybe some other kind of cannabis products that we reach out. So lots of mileage, lots of things that I think are on the table for us today, but we usually like to talk about what's on our tray. So my friend, what have you been smoking this week? This week has been a abnormal week for my cannabis consumption. I had a bit of a tougher week this past week and I took some time off of work. So when I was not working, I was consuming a lot of cannabis this past week. Um, The things that I was dipping into the most were the Black Cherry Punch that I picked up from North 40 on Black Friday, as well as the GG number four from that Black Friday sale as well. Uh, A couple of reasons for the Black Cherry Punch, like why I've been smoking it so much more is it's just a great relaxing strain for me. It's a good like mood elevator and it really helps me sleep. Um, As well as I got the 22% batch, I believe that came out kind of in November, um, maybe late October. And uh, I kind of want a reason to have to pick up the new 32% batch that dropped on shelter. So the faster I can burn through this black cherry punch, the faster I could re up with a new order of the super strong shit. Um, So that's kind of why I was doing that. Um, What else was I smoking this week? I think the main thing that I wanted to talk about was my packs. So last episode, I talked about how I recently got my packs and um, that I was going to save my thoughts for a, a future episode. So I've finally putting enough bowls through it myself that I think that I have a good grasp of like of its performance and um I'm really happy with it I will say that right now you can speak confidently about it now you feel like I can speak confident confidently about it now yes um originally for like the first few weeks I was having a bit of a tough time with it I wasn't getting the vapor that I was expecting from it um I mean without without the app, it was a little bit annoying for me as well. I'm a Apple iOS user and their PAX app doesn't work for iOS, unfortunately. Um, so an, uh, an accessory that I wasn't thinking came with my packs ended up being my uh, Galaxy 5 phone that I had about five years ago. <laughs> so uh, I picked, I had kind of like dug through a drawer in my bedroom here to to unleash that thing um, from its from its slumber slash retirement. And uh, so I have the app on there now. Ever since I hooked it up to the app, though, I don't know if it was like um, 
if it was that specifically for like why I wasn't having the vapor production that I wanted initially or what. But after I had, had hooked it up to the app, things drastically changed for my packs. For my packs. Oh, do you know what? I was just thinking about it as you were talking about it because we'd been having side conversations about your challenges with the packs up to this point. And one of the things that I had mentioned to you was to make sure that we, we got it connected to the app if we could get it somehow. And what occurred to me is that it probably did a, a quick firmware upgrade when it connected to the app. And that's that probably what, been it. that's probably what's adjusted it. Maybe, maybe. But for the first few weeks, it was so strange, man. It was like I would take a pull off of it and I would hand it to my partner. If she went to pull on it immediately, she would have no vapor at, at all. Um, but the oven was definitely on. The cannabis was definitely vaporizing. When I when I emptied it after, it would be nice and brown like you would expect. But I wasn't getting the vapor. It was the specifically to the vapor. I was even getting stoned. It just was there was no vapor. So um, what we were doing early on is like I would I would have my little pull off of it and then we'd wait like 20 30 seconds and then i'd pass it to Haley, and she would then have hers and we'd kind of pass it back and forth but it didn't seem very functional to have to wait like 20 to 30 seconds in between hits and i was getting kind of frustrated by that but now it's instant and there's so much vapor i actually had to turn it down quite a bit over the last week because um it was a little bit harsh on it on me because I was getting almost too much vapor now from it. So it's like the complete opposite, but I'm really happy with where I'm at with it now. It's, it's working super well. I'm smoking way more weed because the bowl is so much bigger. Um, I'm smoking way less joints too, which I'm really happy about because for months and months I was just smoking joint after joint after joint. And, uh, I, I was kind of worried about my, my oral health as well as my lung health. So, now that I've got this vaporizer, uh, this PAX 3, I'm I'm just absolutely floored. It's uh, now that I've got the kinks worked out at least. Awesome. And you're uh, saving that AVB up? Saving that AVB. Yeah. Uh, I kind of went from like a three-quarter full jar to like a full jar within a week and a half just because of the my PAX use has gone up so much or my vaporizer use has gone up so much. But yeah, always saving those, those AVBs, the leftovers. Nice. I'm going to uh, weigh my AVB today. I got to, I got to make some oil. Uh, my oil stocks have diminished, so it's time to make some more. Maybe I'll throw some up on the Twitter account, although that'll be a couple of days old by the time you hear this. Uh, but hmm. I'll, we'll see how much. The last time I think I had 88 grams of AVB. Holy crap. I never actually measure it out. I just kind of chuck it into the oil. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, I got curious the last couple of times. So yeah. Yeah. No it, kidding. <laughs> That's so much. Yeah. <laughs> I smoke a lot of weed, buddy. I smoke a lot of weed. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so what about you? What have you been up to this week? What, like, what's been on your rolling tray? Well, in the interest of, of economics, um, we've been, I've been kind of trying to stick to the cultivar that we're covering uh, for the week, if we have enough of it, for the most part. So really what I've been kind of getting into this week is uh, the caviar from uh, our folks at Habitat. Cake and Caviar is a new branding for their cannabis line. Uh, so uh, that's really what's kind of been mostly on my table. In addition to that, I've been getting into some of those uh, premium five THC diamonds that I picked up on Black Friday. So those diamonds have been a nice addition to uh, a few different bowls uh, that I've been having in the bong to, to make, uh, you know, give them a little next level kick. So that's been kind of a, a nice enjoyment. But recently this past week, uh, a couple updates from our, our previous episode. Uh, I did get the chance to hit up that uh, Urban Green Trio Self holiday party last Tuesday. I know you couldn't make it because of your uh, your issues that came up. But um, I went and had a really great time. Uh, it was it was really cool to see kind of people come together and put together a kind of variety show with music and special guests. Uh, Seth Rogen's parents, there was a little bit with them. Really a lot of fun. And um, I, I hope to, to get into more cannabis community events in the future because um, there's nothing more fun than getting to connect with everybody. Unfortunately, my technology didn't get to work, so I didn't actually get into the sesh rooms to hook up with people. But uh, next time I'm going to have that sorted out because really that's what I'm there for is just to blaze with some folks. So that'll be next time. Uh, I also got to sit in on the, the new uh, product launch for uh, a CBD brand that's launching from um, Neptune that's called Mood Ring. Um, kind of interesting that we are getting invites to different media things now um people are sending us books feels a bit weird <laughs> altogether yeah, a little bit. uh to be in that kind of uh space but it's interesting to us and we're kind of of the mind of send us an invite hit us up and if we can go we'll give it a look 
you know what, um, this is kind of new for us and we like to check different things out and the stuff that we think is of note we'll share with our audience uh, and the folks who, uh, you know, our friends. I hesitate to use the word audience. Really, we've just got a, a bunch of cool people who pull up a, a chair beside us when we're hanging out. So uh, we appreciate you guys and we'll try to draw your attention to the things that come across our attention if we think it's of use for you. Uh, so that's kind of what I've been up to um, this week for the most part. Other than that, enjoying the, the caviar uh, and the diamonds and some of the usual things. I mean, like I'm, I'm probably having a joint of that cherry punch from North 40 almost every day. It is just so good. I cannot keep my hands out of that jar. It's so good, man. I, I had told you a few weeks ago, I believe that I, I actually have it a tier above where the black cherry punch is. And I think it was purely just because of the jar appeal that I had on my three and a half grammar. It was fucking awesome. Anytime I popped that jar open, it smelt amazing. The high from it was um, like a little bit more stony than what I get from the black cherry punch, like a little yes. bit more heavy. Um, yeah. So I, I completely agree with you as well. I'm not trying to slight black cherry punch at all. Like they, they're both, amazing cultivars and they have their own uses um just me personally i really do like that cherry punch and i wish i picked some up on black friday it's just such an enjoyable smoke um i like the black cherry punch probably a bit more i just like the more kind of mellowish vibe that i get from it i think yeah more so but the flavors the nose the nose the taste the feel all of it on that cherry punch is just amazing and it's it's gonna be hard because i think of everything that i purchased on black friday out of the big orders that's the one that's disappearing quickly so that, that does say something <laughs> absolutely um yeah but speaking of uh of north 40 <laughs> and uh, a brand that we typically speak very highly of maybe we should get into the meat of this episode i am ready so yeah, I think that we, we should uh, touch on like the genesis of this episode again. Uh, last week, we talked about cannabis pricing and obviously brand loyalty and pricing. Those are two things that are are very similar topics. You know, they, they come from the same branch almost. Um, so when I, I, I was thinking a lot about like what makes me brand loyal and cannabis actually wasn't the first thing that I was thinking about. I don't know about you, Joel. Like when, when I'm thinking about brand loyalty, I was thinking about like more uh, consumer goods that I purchased like regularly throughout my whole life yeah i'm yeah i don't know that i've ever been somebody who has been particularly brand loyal for products i think there yeah it's a real challenge for me to kind of like put my finger on a particular brand that i was like this is my brand and this is what i stand behind and this is what i identify with because i feel like for some people brands like kind of help form their identity as a person. And I think you may have a similar opinion, but I, I don't know that I've ever connected strongly with a brand to kind of identify with it greatly. But I think that in terms of my purchasing habits, there's definitely been some consistency with particular brands where I've developed a level of trust. So for me, when I'm talking about brand loyalty and how I connect with it, what it really boils down to is do, do I trust the product that I'm purchasing from this company, essentially. Yeah, well, and that's like one of the very many factors that come into brand loyalty, in my opinion. I'm kind of a little bit different from you. When I was younger, I was extremely brand loyal in my purchasing habits. Um, I grew up playing hockey quite regularly, and I, I'm a goaltender. I'm very particular about my, my equipment. And so growing up, I was very brand loyal to a specific manufacturer, basically like across the board for all different products. Okay. Um, but it worked uh, the way that you wanted to, right? Like you knew exactly. what you were going to get. Yeah, but one like one of the biggest um, parts in the initial brand loyalty for me though was the celebrity attachment for this one particular brand that I liked. Okay. Uh, growing up, I really liked Coho hockey pads, and that was because Patrick Waugh was my favorite goaltender. So I wanted to be like Patrick Waugh when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. So I always wanted Coho equipment. Um, and growing up, like Coho has kind of gone through a, a change. Like now it's, it's, it, it was Coho, then it was, uh, then it was Reebok, then it was um, CCM. And, and now it's true hockey, I think. Anyways, it's changed a lot. But throughout all of those changes, I have stayed loyal to them. And uh, there's other examples of this as well. Like my, my family, for some reason, my dad is a huge Dodge Mopar Chrysler guy. So like almost all of our vehicles have been those. We haven't even necessarily had that much success recently over like the last 10 years with this brand of 
vehicles, but we still keep going back to them. Like I'm a Jeep driver. My dad and my parents, uh, like my dad and my mom, they have a Jeep and a Dodge. My sister's got a Jeep. Like, I don't know exactly what happened, but <laughs> I think it's just a heavy influence from my dad really liking these vehicles. But anyways, I've, I have been very brand loyal. And I think that a lot of the things that come uh, into play with brand loyalty are factors, like you said, that trust is really important. Um, and something that really seals the deal for me on that trust is a great first impression. Oh, absolutely. Right. I mean, it's, it's hard to capture somebody's attention as a consumer if that first impression isn't positive, right? It's way more easier to draw somebody in if you wow them at the beginning. But if um, you're looking at a pile of dog shit, you may not give it a second look. No. And, and sometimes it's as simple as that. So for me, I thought about that a lot. Uh, like the companies that I, uh, early on was loyal to, they were, they were companies that I had a, like, uh, a more or less like a bankable product that I could always buy that I knew I had certain expectations for, and they were always met. Um, and they always had a, a good first impression. So for one quick name drop, one of these companies was San Rafael. And that's just because of the first bud tender I went to uh, when I was making my first legal cannabis purchase. They gave me some great white shark, which was like a CBD kind of balanced strain, as well as some tangerine dream. Those both were like really good quality products for like very early on in legalization. I, I remember being impressed with like the aromas. It didn't just smell like like weed, like that I had uh, been around in high school, you know? So I think that that good first impression really had me coming back to San Rafael specifically. Yeah. And, and that makes sense. And I, and I think you're right because there's a certain amount of dice rolling when you're purchasing legal cannabis, because other than maybe a product shot that you get when you look at the website, or if you're somebody who likes to look at those glass jars and, and sniffers if you are there in person you're not really getting a look at it and none of that is necessarily comparable to what's actually in the jar because god knows what's actually in the jar that you can't see so that first impression you've already taken a bit of a gamble on that product based on whatever decision factors that you've made in purchasing your cannabis check back in our archives we talked about that in a previous episode but when you're buying it you don't know what's in it so that first impression is very important because they've already got your money. You don't get a first impression and have the opportunity to say no because you've already purchased it at that point when you crack, exactly. when you crack the jar open, right? So you're, you're fucking SOL. So that first impression better be great for you. And I, I think I'd mentioned this as well. My first legal cannabis purchase was an online order and I bought a bunch of single grams because I just was wanted to try all these different cultivars that I'd heard about throughout my cannabis history and that I've never had the chance to try. And I was like, oh, I want to try this. I want to try this. And there was a, a lot of elements of disappointment with that because they were, as most people know, it was a lot of the cannabis that was there on day one of legalization was some of the, the bigger corporate cannabis companies. I know there's other corporate cannabis that's smaller, but the big main companies. And there was a lot of disappointment with something. It's like, well, this was the thing that everyone's kind of raving about. Like, I don't get it. So uh, I think for me, it was hard to develop that brand loyalty, but I think I might've been there with you in the beginning with San Rafael, because back then you, you could count on getting decent sized buds. I heard that they've, they've been listening to feedback lately and are trying to, to go back to doing things the, the way they were doing before. Apparently I've seen chatter about this online, but in recent batches, I've, I've, I just stopped purchasing them because it would always come dry and it would always come small and popcorny and like broken flour all over the place. In the beginning, yeah. it wasn't like that. It was big, fat, purple, orange, sour tangy buds. <laughs> yeah. Sour tangy buds. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, absolutely. And then another one that I was, uh, that I was thinking about, uh, yesterday that we were very brand loyal to in the early inception of this podcast was THC Biomed. And I think there was a few different reasons for that. I think that cost was a huge one for us. That was like the cheapest weed on the legal market basically at that time. I don't know what Pure Sun Farms was doing. Or I don't know what other budget brands were out there at that time. But um, for us, I, well, I don't necessarily want to speak with you. So for myself, um, pricing was huge for me for THC Biomed. You could get three and a half grams for 20 bucks and they were readily available in the BC cannabis stores. And the the early uh, quality of the product, um, I mean, I wasn't necessarily the best um, 
assessor assessor at that point that's a yeah that's exactly what i wanted to say was i I wasn't the the best assessor for that on the in the early stages but the weed wasn't dry and dusty it wasn't falling apart or covered in like leaves or anything like that it normally had some some decent moisture it smoked well it got me high it was cheap i was on board Uh, and then i mean i guess an added little piece there was that it was bc bud and that really made me feel almost a personal attachment to it yeah, and I think they're relatively local to us. I think THC Biomed's based out of Kelowna. It's pretty relatively close to us here in mm-hmm. Kamloops, despite the uh, civic rivalry that occurs, apparently, that I'm removed from not being uh, from here originally. But uh, I'm with you. THC Biomed was something that I was into uh, in the beginning. In in early legalization, I just assumed everything was going to be dog shit, and it was yeah. going to pale in comparison to the stuff that I had. And it was a recent transition, right? Like, I abruptly left my uh, plug in the black market for the legal market. And I was just like, nope, I had bought like a couple ounces to kind of tide me over until legalization day. And that was it for me. I was going to full on make an effort at this if it didn't bankrupt me. And in the beginning, I was very focused on price. And I was surprised because the stuff that we were getting from THC Biomed at a low price was relatively fresh. It had spring in it where everything else that I'd seen was dry and dusty as fuck. It was the only product that we were purchasing in the beginning. I want to say maybe not Broken Coast. Maybe some of the Broken Coast stuff in the beginning was pretty good too. But even the the San Rafael was a little bit dry. THC Biomed wasn't. And it was dirt cheap. It was like $6, $6.50 a gram all the time consistently. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, we really enjoyed the Jackie White strain that they had. The uh, the, the Landris uh, Indica and the Hybrid and the... Um, sativa that they had in the atomical haze were all ones that we tried but i went to that atomical atomical haze recently and it was just like like it was almost like smoking actual grass it was so grassy in in flavors so i think part of our assessment again we've i think we've grown in terms of our our cannabis palette for lack of a better term uh so there has been a difference and i don't know that we would kind of look at that in the same way that we did through those you know early days of the podcast eyes so yeah. I, I, I kind of, I'm, I try to be forgiving of Joel and Cam from a year ago <laughs> because we just didn't know uh, that like some of the amazing stuff that we were going to get, be able to get our hands on. But really at the time that had it, but I think that pricing had a huge, huge effect on that. And like we talked in last week's episode, pricing has a big impact on your expectations and by comparison, we're like, why is this cheaper? And it looks better than everything else. Yeah, exactly. Which turned into some brand loyalty. I was regularly purchasing um, the Atomical Haze, the Landrace Sativa strain, and then they have a Landrace, like it's a CBD one as well. I was regularly purchasing those products. Um, I really did like that Jackie White as well, like you said. (laughs) Um, But uh, I probably haven't purchased a a THC Biomed product in a year. I probably haven't, or well, maybe not maybe like eight, nine months. I probably haven't purchased one, but it looks like they are going through a little bit of a rebranding, um, maybe a little bit potential resurgence a little bit. So I am, I'm going to say I probably will pick up an eighth of their weed in the next few months just to kind of give it a go and see, because I do like to support local. It is cost effective. I try to try and find some kind of diamonds in the rough for those uh, cost conscious consumers out there as well. So I think it's something that I'll pick up in the future. But as far as brand loyalty goes, like they kind of have to give me a good reintroduction for me to want to purchase their stuff. Yeah, I'm going to need something to kind of dip my toes back in there, but it makes it easier that it won't necessarily break the wallet. The one thing I will say is that I have heard rumors that their THC kiss shot drink is actually quite good. So oh, really? Yeah. Maybe that's something we can think about for the beverages episode that we do. Yeah, no, I think that's a good idea for sure. I've seen them around. They're kind of the same size as those five-hour energy shot kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're called THC Kiss, right? Um, right? Yeah, they they do seem to be getting some positive reviews online. Uh, I haven't picked one up myself, but uh, yeah, I think that that would be a good one for the future, because, especially because it's a, a THC shot and not a full drink. The the full drinks I've had middling success with, I must say. They're, they're normally too sweet, full of sugar, and a lot of them taste like ass. So I just don't really go for them anymore. <laughs> but apparently there, there's a lot more out there now. I don't know. I haven't tried a yeah. single one yet. So for me, it's all been the tea god powders throwing that and stuff. So. 
Yeah, I haven't tried any of the newer stuff because the the initial stuff that was coming out from like Tweed and shit really turned me off. So um, I I would be uh, interested to try some of the stuff that's coming out in like glass now. It just seems to be a higher quality of product. But anyways, that's not what we're here to talk about. Like I, I talked here a little bit about uh, Houseplant because that was definitely a, a brand that I was loyal to in my early cannabis purchasing. And honestly, what that was was all branding and it was all celebrity attachment for me. I grew up loving the Seth Rogen movies. Um, him and his buddies, they just, they really tickle my funny bone. So when he was coming out with this company, or at least that's what it seemed like, that he was going to be like involved in this company, um, that really piqued my interest. And it kind of like drew my attention a little bit because he's somebody that I admire. And um, so I was all in on the houseplant stuff and I was regularly picking it up. But once other offerings started to come in uh, of higher quality that were around that similar price point, it completely turned me off and I just haven't gone back. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot around that. Again, I've, I've kind of alluded to not being more of a, a branded guy. So the, the Seth Rogen aspect only intrigued me in that I knew that he was a stoner. So my hope would be that the product that he would put out would be good. I enjoyed it. I don't know that it was something that I went to a lot, but it was, Probably, I think we've talked about this before, maybe in our uh, our anniversary of the podcast episode, kind of thinking about how it was kind of like your, the treat yourself category in a sense, yeah. because there wasn't really a lot at that at that price range that was of a, a stronger bit and that you, you knew that you, you knew what kind of effects and the cultivars that they were offering were somewhat interesting. And if you had a misinformed bud tender, you might think that uh, the sativa was pineapple express. Yeah, you might, but uh, really, it's what is it? Uh, it's it's essentially, yeah. But isn't it essentially like Cold Creek Kush, or is that the Indica? No, the Indica's ninety-one uh, K, and the uh, Sativa, I believe, was Chemdog. Okay, um, I for some reason I thought that the Indica was MK Ultra and Chemdog, um, but anyways, uh, I digress. Um, yeah, that they were a a, a product that was basically bankable for me when I wanted to get something that was higher THC that I knew was going to pack a punch. I, I always went and got houseplant, but then as the market began to develop more uh, craft offerings were coming out at that $40 price point. And once I was doing the side-by-side comparisons, they just, they, they weren't holding up to these new producers. No, because the new producers, right. You would put like, for example, in that price category gauge or simply bear kind of essentially in that same category for pricing and if you put that product side by side there's just no comparison whatsoever yeah the houseplant products would have no hope in hell <laughs> and, and i mean and i think that was sort of a flaw in a lot of the stuff that was coming out of tweed uh via canopy in that oh so place that i used to love referencing in smith falls ontario the hershey factory the hershey factory is disappointing until eventually i saw photos of stuff in there with like all kinds of powdery mildew plants and stuff and it really pissed me off that Just i go back I, to I, making ever, chocolate oh man I, I love that place as a kid it's disappointing <laughs> but um yeah it, it, it is kind of unfortunate that that's that that's that's the way that things ultimately had to go with those products and the other ones that were out there were just so much better so it really kind of fell by the wayside i think part of that brand loyalty in the beginning is that you can only be loyal to what brands are available yeah (laughs) and once once other products started coming to market and the uh the legal cannabis space started to mature i know that cannabis itself is not an immature market cannabis in the legal space has grown and more producers came that's what changed so in the beginning, everybody who jumped the gun thought they couldn't keep anyone because they didn't bother to build something sustainable. And I think that's what led to a lot of the brand loyalty not being the same. Because honestly, I can think of one product that I was purchasing, one brand that I was purchasing in legal early legalization that I still purchase now. Would you want to name drop that for me? Right, can. Redican. Okay. And Redican's an interesting one for me because I had them early on in legalization and I wasn't super impressed. So they didn't meet that great first impression for me, but they did 
have a great reintroduction to me earlier in 2020. And once I started having more of their products, it was basically the CCK that did it for me, the Cold Creek Kush. Okay. Once I had that at that price point of 27, 28 bucks for, for an eighth, I was floored and it hooked me. It hooked me right in. And ever since I've been a Redican person. I took a pause from them because I tried their Godbud and I didn't like it. And it just turns out that I don't like Godbud. So I took a long break, but what drew me back in for them was the Charlie's Angels. The Charlie's Angels. And that's not something that I've had since uh, early legalization when it was on sale. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, but that's something that I want to pick up now that I have my my prescription through Redican is I want to try the Charlie's Angels and uh, some of their other cultivars that are more like um, pheno hunting almost. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yeah, yeah. But Radican's one that I think is a great example because uh, for it's it's one that I stand behind now and I'm I'm very loyal to this brand. Even when I pick up stuff that was packaged in like June from them, I'm normally pretty impressed with the quality of the product for the price point. Um, I picked up a bunch of CCK for when we were doing that uh, Christmas cook-off. And <laughs> man, I was having a hard time grinding up all that weed to just be used for edibles because holy crap, were there some big heroes in the bar in the jars that I was getting from, from Redican. Um, but I think for them, what, what makes me drawn to them is pricing for sure. Uh, my expectations are always met, if not exceeded. And then, like I said, they kind of hooked me with the CCK. Those, those were more or less what kept me coming back to Redican and what keep me coming back to them. And I, I'm super happy to promote them. I, I haven't even had any interaction online with them in social media <laughs> at all. So like, um, so that like, it's not even like a, a paid promotion by any means. I just really like their products. Yeah. And I think it's, it's interesting that they're an example where maybe you didn't have an amazing first impression and it still worked out. I think for me, that would be kind of what pure sun farms kind of became for me. And that initially I didn't have a really positive impression of some white rhino that I'd tried from them, but have since then have tried just about everything and particularly their white rhino and their pink Kush are phenomenal. And they've become kind of staples due to their pricing category and putting out a um, really solid medium product. So they've really nailed their, quality to cost ratio and i think if you focus on your quality and the product that you're putting out you can get people to be brand loyal and even overcome those first impressions but you have to have that willingness to focus on your quality and your consistency because anybody can have one fire crop that they put out there you do not gain brand loyalty unless all of your crops are fire or at least meet expectations for the price point. That's fair. I mean, if if you may not necessarily be expecting fire if you're buying something at the budget price category, so absolutely, <laughs> it's going to have to meet your expectation for what it's going what it's going to be. So, I just think that consistency is another aspect that's going to help you build brand loyalty as an LP from the consumers. I think so too. Yeah. Um, for Pure Sun Farms, I have a very similar um, timeline with them early on in legalization. I wasn't super happy with the products that I got from them. Um, most of the time they were cheap, but they were super dusty and like broken up. There's most of the time there was uh, leafage at the bottom that was just broken off because of a poor trim job or, or dryness or whatever. Um, but over the last six, seven months, they've kind of had a resurgence and they've been putting out way more consistent quality products. And uh, I'm happy to almost grab almost any of their products off the shelf at this point. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really stoked about Pure Sun Farms. They're a really great um, budget option. So they, they, they've met that brand loyalty category for me by not only being great on their pricing, which is a great, a big factor, meeting the expectation and being consistent. So tick, tick, tick for me. Yeah, well, um, I think that it's important for us to kind of talk about who, who we're loyal to now and and kind of what happened uh you had alluded to it that that more producers came out on the market uh they were they were kind of outperforming the big corporate weed mm -hmm. and that has kind of completely changed my purchasing habits from basically march 2020 onward yeah i think you're absolutely right february march of 2020 is when 
I think we've alluded to this before, that's when our eyes open. We got our hands on the orange cookies from Gage and the first Blue Dream drop from Simply Bear Organic. And that really kind of opened our eyes as to what the possibilities were going to be in the recreational cannabis space. Yeah. Well, that Blue Dream specifically absolutely hooked me on Simply Bear. Um, I've been a, a big advocate for that company over the last six, seven months. Um, I, I think that they have incredible quality. Um, the, it's always a full experience when you get a, a Simply Bear product. You know, there's going to be uh, great aromatics. It's going to be a great high. The bud structure is going to be fantastic. It's going to. It comes in a, a glass jar. It's it, just all the boxes are hit for me. But that Blue Dream completely changed what I thought was possible with weed. Before that, all I was getting was dusty crap from the rec market, right? <laughs> I mean, with the exception to, of that that uh, Gage Orange Cookies and then um, some of the stuff from THC Biomed that I talked about earlier and some of the stuff from San Rafael that I talked about earlier. But largely, it was all crap. But when I got that blue dream in my hands, it absolutely hooked me. That first impression absolutely hooked me. And uh, I am a steady customer of theirs now. Yes. I, th I think you're right. Uh, I kind of echo your sentiments on Simply Bear. They put out a lot of kind of cultivars that I really enjoy. They've been consistent. They are at a higher price point, but they've met my expectation at that price point consistently. So while they may not fall into the regular rotation, they've earned my brand loyalty. That's for sure. But probably number one on my list for brand loyalty, kind of like I can't, maybe I can't say number one. In fact, it's probably a, a 1A and a 1B, but uh, North 40 in Habitat. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that at all. <laughs> right. I, 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 I would like, I would love to give either one of them the number one spot, but on all good conscience, I can't because the guys at Habitat are wonderful and they put out amazing product. Uh, but at the same time too, Gord's just the fucking best and his weed is the best. Well, for Gord specifically, I had a thought was that his customers are loyal um, for a variety of different reasons. Uh, not only does he have consistent quality and and great products, he puts out great cultivars. Um, I've been happy with everything that I purchased from from him. Um, but what what also sets him apart is him as a person. Yes. People do business with people they like and. Gord has always impressed and he's always been transparent. And I think that people really respect and admire him for that. And they will continue to come to bat for him uh, going forward just because of, of those things. The, the transparency is huge in my opinion, like people trust him. And, and I think that's really where that uh, standing comes from. Absolutely. And I think you've kind of hit on a really good point. I've touched on, important factors related to brand loyalty being price quality and consistency another massive one that you've just identified is transparency and i'll even add on another and say customer service and i think that gord excels at all aspects of that and that he is transparent if they have a product that shit they'd rather tear down the room than sell it to patients like that's fucking amazing it's so admirable right? at the like same time he will reach out to anybody who has a shitty experience or is unhappy with the product. So when you couple that willingness to engage with your customers and your patients, to be transparent about the product that you're doing, having a reasonable price, crushing expectations on quality, and then knocking it out of the park every time, that's how you become the number one brand loyal in the cannabis community in the legal space. I, I completely agree. All of those factors are, are huge for it. And uh, I really just think that it's, he has the best weed paired with the best customer service. Like when you, when you deal with Gord, you, you feel like you matter. And that's a big thing, I think too. Like there's a, a strong personal attachment there because you just know he's a trustworthy person and he always comes to bat for his patients and yes. customers. Yeah. And uh, I think for the folks at Habitat, we could probably put them in a similar category they have not put out as many products to the market that North 40 has. So I don't know that they have the same level of name recognition across the country, but in terms of the amazing things that they're doing with uh, sustainable aquaponics and not only that, but putting out some damn amazing cannabis at the same time while being some pretty cool guys, 
uh, I have nothing but great things to say about them too. And they've earned our brand loyalty. Um, on a personal bias note, we toured their facility. They're, exactly. <laughs> they're a 40 minute drive down the road from us. They built an expansion and they have invited us to go see it in the future. I mean, we love these guys. And um, yeah, so I mean, we'll, we'll acknowledge a bit of personal bias there uh, because we got to be in the room with their plants. Yeah, but that bias comes, like you said, it was personal. And I think that's the biggest part is we feel a personal attachment to Habitat. We feel a personal mm -hmm. attachment to uh, to North 40 with Gord as well, right? So that personal attachment, it's there. So I felt it with um, with Hell's Plant earlier in my, in my purchasing. You know, I may not know Seth Rogen personally, but I know <laughs> of him well enough that I felt a personal attachment there. And then even uh, with, with Habitat, like you said, they're 40 minutes down the road from us. Like yeah. that. That means a lot to me. I want to support local as much as I can, um, as well as all the sustainable aspects that you had mentioned. I feel a lot of, uh, yeah, personal attachment to that company. And I think that that goes a long way with brand loyalty too. The engagement is big. That's huge, right? Engagement and accessibility. That's another part of it. I got to go on a Zoom call with Gord, right? Like I got to hang out and chat with Gord, just me and him for 15 minutes on a random Zoom call because he was bored and on Twitter and being like, hey, who wants to Zoom? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Why the fuck not? Like, who the fuck am I? Right. But Gord's like, yeah, dude, come on, let's chat. And I literally got to, to shoot the shit with him for 15 minutes. Like, how, like, that's unbelievable in any other kind of like company situation with products that you're purchasing or consuming, let alone like medicine or cannabis. Uh, just think about like any of the, the corporates. Think about doing that with Dan Bilzerian. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. <laughs> no, I'd be like punching my computer. Like, oh my God. <laughs> but no, but I mean, you're right. That, that kind of engagement, like there's a reason like people who are involved, right? And I think you see the same thing uh, with people like Earl Oliver with Gnome Star. And, uh, yes, we haven't Logan talked about with... Earl yet, but he is fantastic as well. Like when you said 1A, 1B, I was almost like, Ooh, is Gnome Star creeping into the yeah. B or is there room for a C? <laughs> uh, there's, it's still too soon, I think, right? We, too I think, soon. <laughs> I think it's too soon to measure the consistency, but I bought three jars of the Congolese. So, I mean, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, um, but, I didn't mean to cut you off there. But yeah, Earl's very engaging on Twitter as well. I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Earl is. And I think Logan with Dunn Cannabis, a lot of the craft producers that have a have a story. I know Vert West has been uh, engaging with people too on Twitter recently as well. So, the people who are, who are who want to connect with the community and want to talk to you don't want to just sell you their weed, but they want to be like, what did you think of it? Is it any good? Uh, that's the kind of stuff that we like to see. And that engagement and accessibility ties into that brand loyalty a lot, I think. When I was thinking about my brand loyalty for this episode, like who I'm currently loyal to, for actual brands, I would say Redican, Simply Bear, Engage to a certain extent. But then it's like this giant umbrella of micro cultivators. Yes. And the brand that I would associate them to, uh, whether they like it or not, I'm sorry, is Shelter. <laughs> yes. And I think that's that's a really good distinction because as much as we have love for these companies and these producers – from a recreational standpoint, I mean, they're the ones who are bringing the, the product to market. But when we're talking about it as medical cannabis patients, man, we you can't not mention Shelter Market, right? Can't. No, they, they do a fantastic job. Uh, they really care about their patients. They want to bring a, a consistent quality product to the market all the time. They don't want their patients wondering what kind of quality they're going to be getting with their medicine. Um, and I, that goes a long way for me. Like their, their messaging is that they're patient focused and that makes me loyal to them as a brand as well. Yeah. We're relatively new to the medical cannabis space. I have experience with four providers now. And I can say that Shelter is head and shoulders above everyone else. But I will definitely give an honorable mention to Canmart for being pretty solid too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really new with Canmart as well, but just for pricing and uh, their products Variety. so far, I've been impressed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've been very, well, just pricing in general is, is huge for patients, right? Like I mentioned on the last episode, if I were to fill my prescription all the time um, and, and consume it to its, its maximum, I would 
I think I said like $7,300 or mm-hmm. something like that on last episode. And that's a modest prescription. Uh, $7,300 is a lot of money, yeah. <laughs> obviously. Um, and there are people who spend much more than that. Uh, so yeah, cost is, is huge in the medical cannabis community, in my personal opinion. And anybody who's trying to make that better for patients has my support. Yeah, absolutely. That's That's got to be the focus for the future. Um, but in addition to, to people who we get our weed from, there's another place that's possible to get your weed if you're looking on the recreational space. Would you say that you've developed any brand loyalty with any cannabis retailers? That's a tough one. Locally here, we have quite a few good stores that I like, and I do like to support them when possible. But there's... I would say shades of green in Kamloops, I I would say. Um, Although I do have a few uh, stores on on my side of the river here in Kamloops that I I do like to support as well. Um, But unfortunately, cost is a a bit of a barrier to supporting these businesses for me. So I try to when I can, but I don't know if I do have a a specific... uh, dispensary locally that I go to. Was that what, was that what you're, you're asking? Yeah, <laughs> no, generally, no, no, I think I'm just kind of wondering if, if, and no, you, you, you got the gist of my question. I was okay. just thinking like, I don't know that I've, I've felt like enough kind of kinship with uh, a shop. And I think COVID's probably paid a, a large role in that since I order most of my cannabis online. I don't really go into stores very often except for rare circumstances. So that's kind of had an impact. I just don't know that I've ever felt any kind of like kinship or like really positive vibe where I'm like, this is my store, you know, like my cheers of like a cannabis store where they're like, Oh, Joel, how's it going, man? We love the last episode, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Like not, not that I'm looking for props for the show. Um, but just that kind of like engagement, someone who knows me knows that's what I do knows I'm a cannabis guy, wants to chat me up about the latest cultivar or something like that. I've never found a community, yeah, a community, right? Like something that we that I feel is we've built very strongly uh, with the online community through the social media. I, I feel that kind of vibe. I don't get that vibe when I walk into stores. I've just gotten the experience of somebody trying to sell me product. And within the cannabis community and the cannabis culture as a whole, it's kind of a no-no, man. Like uh, we mentioned before, going into a store and people pitching me products, be like, hey, you like Seth Rogen? Why don't you try a house plant? It's like, no, man, actually, fuck off. Like, well, it worked for me. Yeah, I, well, I know, <laughs> I know, but I mean, and I don't mean, and I'm not trying to, to slag you either. No, uh, I know. I'm just trying to say that that that's just not how I want. I want to have a conversation. Like, um, like we've joked about, like the one guy, like talking about, um, me saying that I really like strawberry cough and the bud turner being like, mm, strawberries and cream because like he's somehow determined that that's like a buying signal that he can jump on for that cultivar. It just, it just made me feel gross and icky. So yeah, I, I've, I've had a hard time finding connecting with a place and maybe that's just me. Maybe it's just cause I'm not like, maybe I'm antisocial or something. Right. So I'm, I'm not trying to disparage, but I think I've had, a, I've had a hard time. You certainly can't get that at the, um, uh, government stores because they're just so like so cold and uh, sanitized, sanitized and corporate, right? Like I feel I feel more connection with some of the like online uh, dispensaries that are listed, like Lake City Canna in Calgary or Calix and Tricombs in um, Kingston, Ontario. Like the people who are engaging with the community, right? Like the people who are one of us, for lack of a better term, not someone who's just trying to pawn off weed because they think it's a gold mine. I get that yeah. vibe from a lot of the stores here, and it irks me. Yeah, but I, I've had a few conversations with people online somewhat recently that are looking to like promote their local stores. So I think that's something that we're going to be doing in the future is like yes. taking some time to like survey the people out there who are who are listening and uh, and and see if there's any stores that they think are worthy of a spotlight of some sort. You know, so I think that's something that we'll be doing in the future. Uh, I don't have any idea. like head shops or any um, dispensaries locally that I that I do like to support, but I do have a cannabis grow supply store that I really enjoy. And I love going there. They're called West coast hydroponics. They're here in Kamloops, BC. They're locally owned. The people there are so friendly, so nice. They have a little dog who likes to follow me around the store, which obviously (laughs) increases my enjoyment of the store so much more. Um, I haven't been able to pet him the last few times I was in there, but he still comes (laughs) and leans on me, which is awesome. (laughs) Anyways. Yeah. No, no kind of dispensary, but I wanted to give a a short plug to them at West Coast Hydroponics in Kamloops, BC. They're fantastic people, and and they've been nothing but uh, but very very pleasant to me. Awesome. 
I think as like a, as a wrap up, I think things are constantly changing. Like, I mean, our brand loyalty has changed as the, as the legal market has changed. Like our, our brand loyalty has changed with it. Um, I don't think I'm really going to be moving away from micro cultivators though. So no. I think that uh, for the most part, I'm going to be staying loyal to you folks out there because I appreciate the quality of your product and uh, your transparency and your engagement. It, it, it seems like uh, the equivalent to purchasing from Dunder Mifflin instead of Staples, <laughs> you know, and I really appreciate that. <laughs> That's a great analogy. And I'm with you. We're here to support the small guys because you guys have the good shit. Consumers may be fickle, but you can guarantee we will go where the quality is. Beautiful. I love that. And speaking of quality, we have a quality offering on our review table this week, my friend. We, we have kind of... Do. Yeah, we have we have uh, pumped their tires a little bit in this episode, but this week we are looking at the caviar offering from our friends at Habitat. Yes, uh, the folks at Habitat, they are launching their cannabis under the cake and caviar line. So they've got that kind of branding on their social media now. What we've got here is the caviar. It rolls in at 18.13% THC. And as we've mentioned before on the show in our F uh, episode where we visited Habitat, as we alluded to a little bit earlier, um, this is aquaponic grown. Uh, do you want to tell the folks what aquaponics is about, Cam, our grow expert? Okay, uh, I will do my best. Um, well, the, the folks at Habitat, they also manage a, a small, uh, I believe it's coho salmon? No. Yes. Is it coho salmon? Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, a small coho salmon uh, ecosystem within their grow site, and they use the uh, excess nutrients from the waste of the coho salmon production uh, to use for nutrients for their cannabis plants. They use that exact water, um, and uh, basically the plants can get everything they need from that. Exactly. And we, we were there. We witnessed it happening. And the plants that we're going to be talking about today, we were in the room with which just is fucking amazing that we're finally doing a review of something we were in the room with. Yeah, we were in the room with them as they were curing. We might have even picked up a couple of the buds ourselves. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I am really stoked on this on this uh, cultivar. It is right in my wheelhouse. The lineage of this is OGKB and Lost Sailor. OGKB is OG Kush Breath. And uh, I, I kind of determined that this was a, a little bit of an inbred strain because uh, mm. I looked up the, the lineage for the Lost Sailor cultivar that is one of the parents of this. And it's also a OG Kush Breath makeup as well. So it's kind of got it from both parents here. Mm. And uh, I think that gassiness really showed through. Yes, absolutely. There was a cushy, gassy element to this that was unmistakable. But uh, I will say that it's not one that really kind of leapt out of the jar. No, no. Uh, I had those those same thoughts as well. Uh, you and I were discussing that it was a little bit hard to pinpoint exactly the, uh, the, the nose on this one. Um, myself, I describe it as uh, kind of like cushy, earthy gassiness, but it's not something that's going to blow the lid off the jar. No, it's not something that's going to burn your nose. It's not Sex Panther, uh, but it's got, for me, it was kind of earthy with some sour floral citrus notes. Okay. That's that's kind of how I like to describe it. I found it popped off a lot more once it hit the grinder, but yeah. when it was just kind of in the jar itself, like I took mine out of the bag and threw it in the glass right away. Uh, I didn't throw a Boveda in with it. It was relatively recent pack date. I'm not sure if you have access to the, the actual numbers, but um, it was relatively recent, I think. And uh, yeah, I just found that the, the, the nose didn't really come out until it hit the grinder. Yeah. Um, and speaking of grinder, in my opinion, this was a grinder gunker. It, <laughs> it was uh, quite sticky, uh, resinous, and these buds were thick as fuck and dense as fuck for me. Mm -hmm. So when I was grinding them up, I was getting a noticeable stickiness on my fingertips. My grinder, I had to work super hard to get everything crushed up and ground up. Um, but yeah, once I did that, like you said, the it really opened up the the sense for this. Um, we got a lot of a lot more of of that uh, that cushiness that I was alluding to earlier. Um, still not the same kind of like aromatics as what you'd get from other like stronger smelling cultivars like the Blue Dreams and the Ultra Sours and the the cherry punches and the sorts. But um, it's it was still a very pleasant scent in my opinion. 
yeah, I, it, w- it was pretty enjoyable. Uh, I had the same experience with it kind of gunking the grinder, which is kind of interesting to me because the outside of it felt like almost dry. I didn't actually bother to take an RH on it. The outside felt a bit dry, but like if you pressed on it, it had like a bit of like sponginess to it. But once you just ground it up and maybe that's just due to the dense density of the cultivar. Yeah, but, maybe but, there's just so much resin on the inside of it, mm-hmm. just so, just waiting to be unleashed. <laughs> so yeah, so once once you got in there, it did good. And uh, but I was a really big fan of the effects on this, and, and given its cush ties, it, that's not a surprise. And I'm I'm guessing you probably had a similar opinion. Uh, if you were to guess that, you would be absolutely correct. This was <laughs> a banger, in my opinion. Um, I would say that I would want to try it with uh, a higher THC potency on their website. It says that you can get to 28% and ours was shit. something and give me that 28% THC, please, please, please. At some point I want that to come out. I don't know if that was a typo or not, but if it's possible, I 28. want it. <laughs> That's just going to slap the shit out of you. I felt like this one was just a big smack upside the head, make maybe two or three pulls in for me. It was like a really, really quick onset what i would like harken this to would be like that old uh uh how i met your mother slap bet i never watched that show yeah yeah yeah. anyway Uh, like one just youtube slap bet and it's literally just like this one dude slapping this shit out of neil patrick harris uh jason siegel or whatever his name is uh yeah anyway it's that's what it was like to me just getting this full-on grown-ass man slap across the face and that's uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. That's so funny that you said that because I had written down um, fast impairment as well. Yes. Um, we okay, don't good. ever compare notes or anything like that, but it's funny like how we have very similar opinions on a lot of this shit. Um, yeah, fast impairment. Um, for me, I kind of had some like numbness tingling on the top of my head and my eyes felt super heavy. I, oh, okay. Yeah, I was I – was, thoroughly intoxicated like you said uh like that you had felt um for me i thought this was a very interesting synthesis of like a relaxed strong impairment like i don't know how those things all <laughs> fall in line with each other i know what but you it mean was, though <laughs> yeah it was like mood elevating and it was like a super stone strain as well um to me it slowed things down and i really liked that it was something that i smoked quite a bit this week with with the week that I had, it really kind of slowed things down for me, allowed me to be like, uh, kind of like a grinny high, but I wasn't going to be moving. That's for sure. I really enjoyed this. Uh, it hit really, really hard for me. This falls in between super stoned and, and get shit done. Uh, I found that the head slap and the relaxation combination that you kind of mentioned there, uh, the head slap is way stronger than the relaxation. Like I felt like it didn't completely melt me into the couch. I was maybe more keen to because of the strength of the buzz in my head. But when I had this with coffee, it just gave me that extra kick. And I was like buzzing around my house and getting things done. So for me, um, as long as it wouldn't be too complex or a lot of thought maybe involved, if it's menial tasks, I think it would be acceptable for that. But I'm, you just got me thinking about this at 28% and holy shit, man, I could just, just feel like my, the side of my face coming off already. It's like a, it's like a day ruiner, right? Like if yeah. you had that with coffee and uh, I'd be okay with that. I'd be a, I, I would be poor, perfectly fine having my day ruined with that shit. Yeah, so. exactly. Just give me a, give me a, a good sized bag. Um, and I'll, I'll be, I'll happily do that yeah. <laughs> for, for science. Like we say, um, for me, this is absolutely a buy. I, I love this strain. This is something that I would will definitely be revisiting, especially if there's going to be uh, stronger batches that are going to be forthcoming in the future. Um, it looked pretty. It looked pretty. It had uh, yeah. really kind of deep colors to it. Uh, we got this on the Black Friday deal. I had a quarter of it, and that quarter is gone now. I've been smoking this shit all week. I am out of it. Uh, we'll wait and see. I'll maybe re-up in the next batch, see if the THC is up there. But this is absolutely a buy again. I think you should at least try it. Uh, some great folks who are doing sustainable cannabis growth and aquaponics is some cool shit. Uh, the one thing that I did like about this and this one note I, I wrote down that I did want to mention is that uh, I've talked about before about hearing static. And that happened to me with this one. Oh, did it? Interesting. 
Okay. Um, my final thoughts on this was I enjoyed it a lot for kind of like vibing out, listening to some music. Um, that's what I smoked last night when I was uh, preparing my thoughts for this episode. I put on the new Kid Cudi, Man on the Moon 3 album, and I just vibed out to this for a few hours. Smoked a bunch of this caviar. It was fantastic. Um, yeah, definitely it would be a buy for me in the future again. It is the upper tier of the cannabis pricing. It is the, the $40 eighth tier that is on shelter right now um if you were to find it locally outside of shelter uh you may have to pay up upwards of 50 i'd imagine um if you could find it at all but uh yeah another great top-notch offering from the folks at habitat can't say much more positive things about this with that being said that's all we have for this week's episode uh we wanted to wrap things up just by saying happy holidays to everybody out there we are releasing this episode in the christmas week of 2020 it's been a tough year for everybody but we hope that we could bring you some kind of escape maybe from the troubles that have have been going on through this year um and uh, hopefully that hopefully everyone out there sticks around for what we have coming in the future we're really excited to bring you more content um but yeah happy holidays i hope everyone out there is doing well and uh that they can spend some time with their families in whatever limited capacity they can yeah thanks for coming along with this ride for us this year guys it's really been a lot of fun for cam and i to do this podcast it's been really beneficial for us throughout 2020 to do this so the fact that you're listening means the world to us Uh, the fact that you're engaging with us on the social media does so no matter what you're celebrating whether it's christmas hanukkah nothing whatever you're doing over the holidays we hope that you're safe and having a wonderful time Uh, we're really grateful for you and look forward to more in the new year Uh, stay tuned for a twitter poll on what we're going to be doing for our christmas movie for the next episode we look forward to that but thanks a lot for listening guys we'll see you next time 